In the Let's Talk Gardening show of the 3rd of December, Ray and Faye were sad to report on the passing of good friend of the show and local legend in the rose-growing community, Bob Melville. I have compiled the last three telephone interviews he did with the show, but if you'd like to listen to his last two appearances in the studio, just look for the podcast for the 30th of October 2021 and the 4th of September 2021. All right, as promised, we have Bob Melville online. Bob is currently the president of the Rose Society in WA. Hey, Bob, with Ray and Faye, how are you? Morning, Ray and Faye. (laughs) Good morning. May I say you did a wonderful job last year when you opened your garden. I loved uh, wandering around your property. It was beautiful. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, really, really lovely. You did well. I think you had massive turnout from memory too. We did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah was I, was, I was happy with that. Will you be doing it again this year? Hopefully. Oh, good. Yeah. Good to hear. Well, our, our garden club was supposed to come in a couple of weeks, Bob, but that's yeah. been cancelled now. Has it? Mm. Whoops. <laughs> Well, I think it's to do with having the numbers. It's, it's a private premise, and it's you can't only have ten people. Is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you can have fifty people in a open area like a park, and you can have thirty-five people on a bus tour. Good grief! Mine's an, mine's an open park. Yeah, it really mm. is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, exactly right. I, I, I agree. I'm not sure if there might be ways of finding out more. You know, depending on the circumstances, yeah. if we can get permission to do things differently based on open space etc but i don't i don't know we all have to play safe and garden don't we well on the 25th of this month i've got a movie uh, through the city of calamanda oh yeah 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 you've done that before so, i don't know what uh, happened there 500 500 are allowed to come so i'm not sure what's going on no but, it's all yeah. very confusing to keep Isn't up, it? to keep up, mm. exhausting. <laughs> yeah. So, Bob, we've got you here today because I've told everyone what a magnificent display you are capable of creating uh, in bulbs and annual pots, etc. You are the man to impart your knowledge of how people can make a show-stopping entrance feature. Thanks, Faye. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, re- I really enjoy. Um, having a challenge so the yeah. challenge was years ago um feeding annuals and and having high maintenance um my my aim in life is to have low maintenance more fun in the garden not be traumatic i find a lot of people are very tra- traumatized by especially the rose and pruning time and all this sort of stuff so um i did a fair bit of not research, but um, experimenting. So um, the the biggest requirement is is a good open potting mix, mm. and to use slow release. So yes. I'll go through um, some of the things that are not critical, but are uh, the main uh, avenue of having success. Can you explain so, to our listeners, Bob, what open potting mix actually is? Uh, well, it's a potting mix that uh, the water runs basically straight through. 
anything that any any potting mix with a lot of organic material will fail. So the history of, of me finding out um, what and how to do was when we first started um, potting roses up, and this is when I was with my father, so it's a long time ago, we used to go down to the creek and get all the you know, lovely potting st- stuff that we thought was good. We put them in tins, and about September, they all started to die. Ooh. So why was that? So I was very um, curious of, of why it did that. So what happens is that the plant um, um, starts growing and sends its roots out while it's cool, and then when the sun hits the, the tin or the pot, oh yes, it burns all the roots off. Mm. So for two or three years, that failed completely. So. Uh, eventually, we got uh, the rose growers of WA got someone from California, and that's where we first start growing roses um, in pots in the world, not in W, not just in WA in the world. WA were the first people in the world to commercially um, sell their roses in pots. Right, and they were plastic pots, and it was sand and sawdust. Yeah. And so the water runs uh, through very quick, doesn't hold the heat. So plastic pots are extremely good for um, um, having containers with your plants in. Okay. So um, terracotta um, look lovely, uh, but they hold the heat, Mm. they hold the salts, and they're heavy. And Mm. if they fall over, they normally break. Mm Mm-hmm like in the wind. So um, the sizes that I use uh, a lot, and when I grew the tulips and the daffodils and all the different annuals and things, um, the the one that I like is around about the 450 to a half a metre pot. Gives you good depth, good drainage, um, and if you make a mistake, um, it's you know, the pot will, will get you out of problems. So first of all, if you can get an open mix, do not put any compost or any soil from the, the garden or um, animal manure, like sheep manure, because that will stop the flow of water. It will heat up and it'll start composting down. So the idea of slow release is um, the plant will only eat what it um, wants, and when it releases with the heat, um, it, it, the plant grows as well. So it, it's a very smart um, um, product, flow release. Um, and we only use one. I don't know whether I'm allowed to use the name. But we have tried all the different um, slow releases, and we find that um, the Osmocote 8 to 9 months is superior. The and only difference, sorry. I, I was, yes, carry on, Bob, sorry. So the only difference between commercial Osmocote and the Osmocote that you get in, in, in the local nurseries and that, it's not as strong. So some of the measurements that I will tell your listeners, um, I, I will probably give a, a, a probably five grams a bit 
it a bit more so that um, they've got the strength so that they get results. So when, you, when you're doing your annuals or, or your bulbs, we'll do the bulbs first. Plant your, your, your bulbs double the size of the bulb. Do not go any further. I did an experiment this year and I went three times and it didn't work. Yeah. Do you mean so, deeper? Deep, yes. Okay. So what you do is you, you find the level of the, the potting mix that your um, uh, bulb is going to sit on the, the actual um, potting mix. And then uh, before you put your bulbs in, that's when you put um, your Osmocote in. Now, they must listen to this very closely. The, the size of the pot that I use for measuring, uh, and it's, it's easy for the general public, you find out how many uh, 200 mil pots go into your pot, whether it's a small pot, a big pot or whatever. And so you, if, it's, uh, if it's five um, 200 mil pots, you put... Um, uh, what's that? Five uh, is about 125 grams of osmocote for mm. slow release, which is quite a lot, isn't it? Because you, if you get a small tub, that's about 500 yeah. grams, so it's about a quarter of a yeah. tub. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Okay, but that's going so, to last eight to nine months, so it's a an investment. Well, it can last longer. Because most of the time, when, once the actual um, bulb has finished flowering, it's normally put in a cool place, so it doesn't release. Right. Okay. And I've found that a lot of my bulbs and plants, um, I don't feed for probably 18 months later. So it, it's a good product. Mm, it okay. costs a bit more than some of the others, but it, it's worth yeah. using. So. Um, make sure that it's evenly over the potting mix in the pot and you put your bulb straight on the osmocote. Okay. Straight on the top. And people probably be horrified. Um, and then you fill it up to um, the, the uh, distance that you need to um, fill your pot. So it's normally to the top of the pot. And because the actual potting mix will shrink. So it leaves a little lip on top so that when you water it, it doesn't run over the pot. Mm. Is so it that easy? That's, that's easy. Yeah, that easy. And so do you that, put annuals in with that as well? Uh, we, yeah, the annuals, um, well, only the depth of the actual um, um, annual when you get it in those little um, square little pots, yeah. um, you, own, you put it at that depth. Do not allow it to have to chase the food because it will go under stress. Okay. And it's why you sit it on top is that if you make a mistake, you don't kill the, the either bulb or the actual seedling. So you may, for seedlings, you'll need to raise the, your potting mix and then put your uh, slow release on and make sure that when you do um, <clears throat> uh, 
um, plant your annual that it's touching the osmocote. Okay. So when it touches the osmocote, it once the the temperature's right, it will it'll it won't go into stress, and that's what happens with a lot of annuals. They go into stress, or people forget to liquid fertilise until they get to the food. And a lot of people put um, top dressing on on um, annuals and bulbs. If you make a mistake, it's normally uh, a big mistake and they die. So if it's underneath, it won't burn, um, and they everything goes down into the pot. So you, it's basically foolproof. And we we did get a, a big award for this through the um, Osmocote people. We got the most innovative uh, people, person or nursery in the world for wow. using um, Osmocote. Well, certainly those displays at the entrance to your cafe years ago were just outstanding, Bob. Yeah, yeah. thank you. So tulips. Tulips are very easy to grow in the West. They grow as good as they grow anywhere else in the world. And if you, we used to put 10,000 in pots each year for wow. a Yeah. So um, we, if, you, if you're getting bulbs, they need to be um, dipped or they need to be immersed in um, some... Um, um, Bob, would you mind holding on for a moment, please? And we'll come back straight after the break. Okay. Thank okay, you. Won't be long. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening, 25 minutes after nine, and we do have Bob Melville online. Are you still there, Bob? I am still Sorry there. to interrupt you, Squire. That's okay. So um, with, with most of your bulbs, um, dipping them in mangazeb, is what all the um, people throughout Australia do in the commercial world, and you leave them in the um, the mangazeb. You mix it up with the water, look at the packet, and make sure that you, you're putting in the correct amount, and you leave them in there for about ten minutes. So there is quite a, a bit of disease in the bulbs that you yeah. buy. So you need to dip them in mangazeb, and it's basically um, a, a, a security thing so that you don't get um, uh, problems later on. So um, that's a, a big thing that we learnt as well, that uh, dipping them in and leaving them there for 10 minutes, must be te- around about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So, um, that, And this is for all bulbs, doesn't matter what they are, they need to be immersed so that, um, and then just put them straight into the um, the medium that you're putting them in, and then cover them over. And then all you have to do is let the rain do the the next bit, or when it starts getting warmer, to uh, water them. Other than that, that's all you have to do. And Bob's your uncle. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good I tip. Was, yeah, I was named after my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> And going back to the potting, what potting mix do you use, Bob? Uh, our, the potting mix that we use it has a lot of um, pine bark in it. Mm-hmm. 
it's originally uh, was all pine bark, composted pine bark. No sand, no nothing. Do you buy by the bag or trailer loads? We no, we buy it by the truckload, mm. like thirty meters, and that's the difficult part for the general public. Yeah, exactly. Actually, this is becoming harder, really, because some of the potting mixes are not mm. what we're looking for. I was after a, a cactus and succulent mix the other day, and I actually could not find one that was suitable in a bagged product. So many of us are having to resort to mixing up our own, Brilliant. tweaking it. Well, if you're going to, if, if your potting mix isn't open then you're going to have problems. So it's probably best if you can get some pine bark, but it's very difficult to, to get. Yeah. I know now that we don't get all pine bark in our potting mix. Mm. Uh, it is lots of other bits and pieces because um, they're, they're, not, they're not doing the, um, the pine poles and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Come from. So... Um, it's very difficult, but the mix that we get is, is uh, okay. Uh, breaks down a little bit quicker. And when another thing, when they can leave things like daffodils in there until such time as that the soil or the potting mix has has gone down in the pot. Once it gets to a point where it's composted completely, that's detrimental. Um, to the, the bowl because it'll either rot or it'll get too hot in spring. So, Bob, what's the method after your bulbs have flowered? Do you lift them? Uh, well, I don't normally uh, throw my um, tulips out, unfortunately, 10,000 mm. of them. Yeah. Yes. Because it just, when, when they're um, making their flower... Um, and that's normally September, late or early October. It's too hot, and they don't form very well at all. Not in around the metropolitan area, mm. and so you get very small flowers, short yes. stems, small flowers. Um, so, but down south they say that they, you know, recycle them. But I've tried for years to recycle them. I, I just no. didn't get. Not viable. So what about things like daffodils? Daffodils, yeah. You can leave them in there until such time as that um, soil or the potting mix has, has started to go down in the pot. Okay. And that's, and that's the problem with most things in pots. Once it composts down, it's, it gets too hot. So it burns the roots and they rot. So people, when, they, when they're repotting, should take most of the soil or the potting mix off and repot it in a good open potting mix. But that's not easy to find a good open potting mix. That's the problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we will continue to, to work on that and see what we can get. So the, the Jarrah sawdust, which we used to use before, was good but not as good as the pine bark. Yeah. So people can get um, a hardwood um, with sawdust and they can use um, probably, I suppose, 25% sand and and 75% of composted 
sawdust, but this for the general public isn't very easy. It's quite difficult, mm. and it's Would, going to get worse. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Would you use any perlite in the mix? Um, you can use perlite. I've never had a great success with perlite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that originally when it first came out, I tried it and tried it. Um, yeah, it, it's okay. They can put anything that will open it up. Even mm. even um, the sort of river sand is is better. But see, river sand's got a lot of clay in it. Mm. So what happens with your soil in the pot? It goes into um, like loam sand, um, loam clay type material. So when you take a um, a plant out that's pot bound and and all it's not doing well, you'll find that it's all soggy and, and really yeah, that's right. Yeah. What about charcoal? Mm. Oh, charcoal's good. Yeah, it sweetens mm. it all up. Um, okay. I, I know that that won't rot down as quick as uh, some of the material that's being used now. Oh, it might be an opportunity for our listeners to have a a bit of an experimenting, yes. you know, maybe with the commercial potting mix and adding something to to get that feel till it yes, feels they right. If they can get pine bark, <clears throat> doesn't matter what size, just incorporate that in with the the potting mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it, it's quite easy. And it, if they need to boost, like. If the osmocates or the slow releases isn't working, then there are other good products like you can um, liquid feed mm. and and always do it as the sun goes down. Oh. You know why you do that? Why, Because Bob? underneath the leaf is the thing called stomata and that opens up and takes all the nutrients in and and is is instant. So when you go to tropical areas, they don't fertilise at all. Mm. The reason being is every night there's a thunderstorm, mm. and in in the air that we breathe today, um, there is nitrogen. So the lightning converts yep. the nitrogen so that the plants can feed off it. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So. Um, what goes off or what falls, runs off the leaf, goes into the leaf matter um, down below and composts down. So that's how Mother Nature's done it all the time. You're an inspiration, Bob. Yeah, love listening to you. We must get you in the studio very, very soon because... uh... I love sort of talking about um, what I've learned. Yeah, Uh, and, and get the message across before I die. Yeah, well, it's important to share. Well, just quickly on that note, we were talking about the chili thrips and they're rampant yeah. at the moment. Yeah. What's your take on it and what do your, you do? Your latest, yes. I did I did hear, hear you, Faye, mm. uh, which was correct. Um, we, don't, we don't start watering. I, I might get myself into trouble. We don't start watering until around about 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So that has a big control. We don't. I don't spray it at all. And isn't that and better I, for the environment? I, I know yes. water is a big issue, but um, it's better for the environment to use water and not insecticides to to manage. Correct. Correct. Yes. So um, I'm now 
sort of helping the Rose Society and, and with water breakers, which break the water up, puts it on quick uh, in the middle of the day. Uh, as you said, they like the heat and it stops their breeding habits. So um, that's why you, you water in the middle of the day. Yeah. You can have a handheld hose. doesn't take long. No. And, and it's a great idea. And, and most people forget that, oh, well, the plants out there, we're inside in air conditioning, we've got water and we can go and have a shower or whatever, but the plant can't. So you've got to look after your plants exactly the same as look after yourself. Oh, quite right, yeah. And, and a lot of common sense has been forgotten. Mm. And, and Mother Nature is uh, much smarter than what we are. Yes. Well, thank you for bringing back common sense, Bob. <laughs> thank you. All right. You've been uh, fabulous listening to you this morning. And, of course, uh, all our listeners can go to our podcast to re-listen to all the wisdom that you've shared with us this morning. Thanks, Bob. Look after yourself. Thanks, Ray and Faye. All Thanks, right. Bob. Bye for now. Keep safe. Bye-bye. As promised, we have Bob Melville online. We're going to be talking about rose pruning time. Bob, good morning. How are you? Good morning, young man. Oh, you're talking to me. We yes. are now. <laughs> oh, okay. Morning, uh, Faye and Ray. Morning. Sorry, yeah. sorry to bring you out of your garden, Bob, or are you out there on your phone? I know. I'm looking at it from from my kitchen. How magnificent! What a beautiful yeah. property you have, Bob. Yeah. Thank you. So we've got you here today because it's that time of year where we start thinking about our roses. Actually, I'm, I think they're still looking pretty good around the place at the moment. They are. So when mm. is the time that we should be pruning them, Bob, and what do we look out for? Well, generally, uh, July is a good month for pruning roses in Perth. Um, at, <clears throat> the best time is when they're at their most dormant stage. Yeah. So normally July is pretty good. If they're still flowering now, it's an indication that they didn't have sufficient water during the autumn time. And so you just leave them until they at their most dormant stage. So right to the end of August, early, um, not the end of August, end of July, early August is fine. So it's better not to prune them while they're growing. Okay, all right. So wait for the the leaves to look a bit daggy, yeah. the leaves start falling off. Wait for yeah. them to tell you that they need that cut back. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They're not so producing they flowers. Need a, they need a rest. Yeah. And, uh, and talking about water and all that sort of stuff, um, it is quite stressful for most plants when it's 40 degrees. Uh, a rose is very tough, especially on Fortuniana, which is the preferred rootstock in WA. And um, it'll go through drought without dying, but most all, all other um, rootstocks will, will die. So um, the, the most important thing as far as um, a rose is concerned is to keep it as young as possible. So when I'm sort of, when I see pictures of people that have uh, sent me um their rose bush and what's wrong with it. It's all grey um, stems and brown. Red's okay, but green and red 
Uh, red normally is, uh, you know, uh, some varieties have red canes. So um, take out the old, even if there's only one uh, stem left, and then take 50% off. Mm. Um, when, when you read a lot of about pruning roses, they say look for dead and dying uh, pieces. Well, when you're dead, you don't do anything. So that's just 100 years old at least. So if you prune correctly, you don't get dead pieces on your rose bush. Um, people find it very difficult to find dead pieces of wood. And so they, they, they find it um, upsetting and, and they used to ring me and ask me, what do I do next? So um, gardening is supposed to be um, a very pleasurable uh, time of, of looking after your garden, not traumatic. So Stress, yeah. Mm. It, it, it's very simple um, and you need uh, a, a nice little saw and a good pair of secateurs, and that's basically all you need. And don't be frightened to cut, because if you don't cut, it'll, the, your rose bush will get old, and it's harder for um, a plant to push through old wood, a bit like me at the moment. Um, as you get older, your, your plumbing doesn't, you know, your veins start to clog up, so hardening of the arteries on plants are exactly the same, especially on roses, because they're gross. Um, they grow a lot and they flower a lot. So yeah. keeping them young is the most important thing. And when you are pruning, once you've taken out all the old wood, then you take 50% off and you always cut straight across, not on an angle. Okay. So, yep. so the old adage was <clears throat> you cut on an angle so the water doesn't sit on it and cause um, fungal problems. Well, that was brought out probably 100 odd years ago. So we're trying to get people to look at uh, gardening in a totally different way uh, and work with Mother Nature, not against her. And of course, you cut back to a node? Uh, it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. It doesn't matter whether it's in or out because the sun does all the training. Right, okay. But, so people think that they're, they're making their uh, bush so it's nice and round and there's a vase shape and all that. That's irrelevant. Mother Nature 37 million years ago didn't have those people going around with secretaries. So, yeah. And they've survived 37 million years. So we've cut off all the the old uh, canes and we've cut yeah. back by 50%. How can we encourage more flowers? And what would we do wrong that would muck that up? Well, um, the most important, as I said, you know, is to keep them young. And young means um, from 12 to 6 months or 6 to 12 months. Once they've flowered, they've done their job. So um, you cut back right down to the base of the, the rose bush where it was grafted or budded. And you must take it out. And it's a good idea to have it as clean and neat as possible so it will heal over and, and, and the rose will stay young for 50, 60 years at least. 
some varieties don't because their DNA isn't uh, as strong as some of the others. So yeah. it, it, it's important once you've cut out, and they, they, you have to remember, once you cut out your um, old canes right to the base, then the next is the younger wood, which you take 50% off that. And that will give you um, good flowering for um, six to nine months at least, nine months at least. Perth, Western Australia, is is the premium place in the world for growing roses. Mm. And it's the... Uh, it's uh, something that people don't recognise. Uh, and when I go overseas and I see rose bushes that are planted uh, eight to ten inches apart to get the same um, flowering as what we get a, a metre apart. So uh, we have the best sun, we have the best environment. Uh, we're very lucky to live in this state. And yeah. people, people can grow whatever they like in, in WA. And roses do extremely well. So a lot of people across Perth, Bob, have suffered with chilli thrips on their yeah, roses. Is there anything they have to be mindful at this time? Over the winter period, yeah. Well, they don't like um, thrip, don't like cold weather. Mm. So when, um, when it starts getting warm, and, and this last season was quite bad yes um, and what happened was it was okay while it was really hot and it won't um, it won't persist when it's really really hot mm. but then we had about a week of cooler weather and then that cold allowed them to the the um, trip to hatch and yes they came out in a vengeance and um, that was a big problem but spraying, um, you have to do a, a spray for three weeks every week, once a week, um, to control it. Um, the commercial one that we use, we, we, we haven't got it up here, but if we use it on um, the, the people's or places down in Perth, um, we only spray once with uh, success. Um, ours is, uh, you know, a lot stronger than the, the household um, success, but success is a, a very good product. But um, I recommend that they double the dose and, and put five mils per litre of dishwashing liquid and do it once a, w- once a week for three weeks. And you must do the ground as well. Yeah. So there, are these little little devils uh, overwintering in the soil, the chili thrips? Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll stay in the soil, yes. So, Bob, Andrea has just sent us an email and said people are pulling their roses out everywhere. Yeah. How have they yeah. affected the rose industry? Uh, Robbie's flat out. Yeah, my mm. son. Still, yeah. Well, they're such a good advertisement, aren't they? they their gardens yeah. look amazing and people still love roses and they're a lot of people still won't give up on them. Well, I mean, they give you the most out of any plant that you'll you'll ever grow. Um, plus, you know, they're, they're water-wise in WA. Um, and we know that uh, when you go out into the country, some of the um, old homesteads, 
that haven't lived in for 50-odd years. Um, there's still one or two roses that, as soon as it starts raining, they'll come out and flower during the winter. So, Bob, I would like to know how much water roses need and how, how should the garden beds be prepared and fertilised for best results in spring. But we do have to go to a break. So would you mind just holding, please? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, Thank thanks. you. This is Let's Talk Gardening. You're with Ryan Fay, and we currently have Bob Melville online, president of the Rose Society of WA. Bob, are you still there? I'm here. Ah, Thank very you. good. Thanks for waiting. So what I would like to know is how much water should a rose need to be kept looking good? I've never really measured it. (laughs) It it matters now because um, everyone is only allowed to water two days a week in the growing season, so kind of from the 1st of September. So if you can only water twice a week, uh, and so one is three days and one is four days apart, is that going to be all right? And or how do you improve your soil? Or what's your advice for getting people right. through? Let's let's do the water first. Okay. We've had um, two-day waterings for the general public that has have the water authority water. Yeah. Wars have been three. Um, so you're allowed ten mils per watering. Um, so you've got 20 mils per week, which is sufficient to grow most things successfully. But so I... what's, not, what's not happening is that they're not preparing their ground correctly. So just digging a hole and putting a bag of uh, planting mix or potting mix um, isn't sufficient to hold that moisture. Mm, so, okay. so preparing... A rose garden or any garden, um, what they did uh, 60 years ago is they used to use all their house um, rubbish, um, like all their kitchen scraps and everything like that, tins, the whole lot, and they would dig a a hole or a trench um, and they would start at one end and they'd put the tins and everything in, in in the hole and then, then they dig the next part of their weekly rubbish um, and, and bury the, the, the last week's um, cans and um, peelings and all sorts of things that go in their paper, but not plastic, because there was no plastic in those days. And that, you know, that was how they built their, their gardens up in, in, in the sandy soils. So mm. sand is a great medium for growing. It's cool in the summer and warm in the winter, and that's what you need for plants. So um, there are there are lots of um, um, planting mixes and all sorts of things, but it, it, it's very simple to put cans in because cans are is iron, and so our big one of our big problems in Perth is is alkalinity. So iron is acid, and so the roots get around the actual uh, can, and it deteriorates to nothing after you know a, a few years. So 
as far as health-wise and the environment, um, that's still a very good way of, of, of making your garden bed. Mm. So digging a hole isn't the answer. And roses will will do beautifully, um, providing you do uh, the whole bed and not just a hole. And mulching is very important um, because that's like uh, insulation. If you had a house or live in a house where there's no insulation and it's 40 degrees, it's terribly hot, you don't survive very well. Mm. So plants are exactly the same. And, and that, that, 20, that 20 mils, 10, and that's legally you're allowed 10 mils per watering. So you were talking about furfies. So when it sprinkles, they'll tell you to turn your water or re-tick off. Um, but that does nothing. So what happens is once your ground gets dry, it stays dry right through winter as well. Um, and if you don't have your wetting agents, um, it'll stay dry basically forever and and once it dries especially um, like I was digging a few plants out yesterday with the tractor and it was still dry and we've had you know fairly good rain so far so um, it's using common sense you can still use a handheld hose in 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 summer yep so legally um, but people are getting lazier and lazier, and you know, you know, there's no disrespect to the, the public. But if you want a nice garden, it's easy to look after if you, you follow some simple rules. And once spring comes and you start getting hot days, and you see your plant starting to wilt, then it's used most of that moisture where their roots are. So then you think, oh, I'm better water it. But you never really wet that soil. So maintaining the, the water uh, or water content in, in your ground um, before it gets dry is, is very important as well. If the nursery industry did exactly the same as the household, um, we wouldn't be selling too many plants because basically they'd be dead. So, uh, you know understanding how mother nature works um, and roses will will, will certainly uh, go backwards if you don't water them but they won't die mm, okay so what then about fertilizing when and oh, how when okay so you you don't you don't uh, fertilize once you've pruned so, and why why is that why is that because they're asleep yeah. So when you're asleep, you don't eat. So when they wake up, you'll see them starting to shoot. And that, that's the time to, to fertilise them. So basically two handfuls per bush, not in a circle, all over the actual um, rose bed. Two good handfuls yep. of all purpose. Um, and I've, I've only... Uh, fertilised once this last year and that was in September. And why is that, Bob? Uh, because I'm using a good fertiliser. That yeah. lasts six to nine months? Yeah. Yes, okay. And I 
I was very surprised mm. uh, because when you build your ground up to have a lot of organic material in, when you do feed them and you feed the right amount, um, it stays in the ground. Mm. And you're not... Um, and I mean, sand is... I still say sand is one of the best mediums for growing in. Mm. If we used um, clay materials um, like beautiful loam and stuff like that in pots to try and grow them, they don't survive, they die. So um, the sand is great, but preparation is everything. So, Bob, how we've seen your roses and they're magnificent. So how did you prepare your soil? And is it sand where you are or clay? No, no. Um, it, my, my, where I've got most of my gardens where it was a gravel pit. So there was no, it was basically like sand. It was sterile. Um, and there's rock um, sometimes, you know, and on the surface. So all I did was I put a lot of sheep manure in. Mm-hmm. And sheep manure is only grass, lawn clippings, grass. Yeah, organic. Organic, yes. So um, I just used my rotary, big rotary hoe, which is on the back of the, the tractor, and I just uh, hoed it in, left it for a few months, and then started planting. So when you do, when you do use a lot of organic material when you're planting, especially roses, you don't plant them too deep because that's one of the big problems as well is that once that organic material breaks down, it starts to shrink. So then it takes the rose um, down further into the ground and once that where it's been um, butted onto or grafted, once that hits the soil, it starts getting its own roots. And once those um, they have their own roots. They forget about the, the Fortuniana, which is um, given it the strength. It forgets about that, and that's why you see a lot of roses get very old very quick. And so you must have that crown above the ground. For sure. Now, so just... that's how I did mine, mine and um, it's worked successfully. Very good. Now, just one last thing that I wanted to come back to, and that was if you prune your roses too early, what might happen? What could people be looking out for? Well, it's called blind shoots. So what happens is if you prune too early, the the ground is still warm and the air is still sufficiently uh, enough to make it start growing. So you can't see it grow. Um, it'll just move a little bit. Um, the actual bud will get a little bit bigger and then it stops. So when it stops, it kills the flower, which is already there. So once you do that, it'll keep having blind shoots. Um, we don't understand why it keeps doing that, but um, what happens is most people will say, oh, well, I dug it out and I said, oh, well, I won't throw it away. I'll put it out the back. Well, that stops it completely, and then it starts to flower correctly. So it's one of those um, funny things mm. that uh, happens with roses. All right. Very interesting. Well, hopefully we, yeah. everyone's now armed with what to do and when to do it. And if you're not sure and if you'd like to learn more, 
there's a couple of pruning demonstrations coming up. They, they are both uh, from 10 to 12 in the morning. Uh, one is the 2nd of July at the Scarborough Uniting Church and the other is the 6th of July at the Peace Memorial Rose Garden, Netherlands. So people can find more information from the website, which is rose.org.au. Thanks, so, Bo. And, and you know, we encourage people to join the Rose Society um, and get the latest on how to grow your roses successfully. Yeah, for sure. And it's our it's our ninetieth year this year, wow. um, the Rose Society. And so the government has uh, kindly given us uh, they're going to put on a, uh, a, a memorial dinner type thing at um, um, not government house, um, Parliament House. Wow, that's very nice. On, in October. So we're, we're thrilled with the government um, and they've come out and they're doing um, the Rose Justice and uh, hopefully we'll plant a memorial garden in, in Parliament House somewhere. Wonderful. Great to get that recognition. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. And, you know, I, I, I know that roses in Perth grow as good as anywhere else in the world. Well, you do because you've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, don't tell them how long. <laughs> you look after yourself. I will. Thank Thanks you very Bob. much, Bob. Thanks for inviting us and, and good luck out there, all you gardeners. Um, yeah. It's very easy. Use common sense. Yes. And if you do something right, remember how you did it. <laughs> good tip. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Bob. Right, love. Yeah, Cheers. Have a lovely day. You okay. too. Thank you. Bye. And that was Bob Melville, everyone. Bob is the president of the Rose Society. We have Bob Melville online, the Rose Man himself. We're talking about summer rose care, last-minute tips to get our roses looking schmicko for Christmas and uh, the dreaded chilly threat. Bob, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, Ray. And thank you for joining us this morning and giving us your Pleasure. valuable time. Thank you. How did you cope with... With the weather up there yesterday, oh, uh, we had about an inch. Yeah, it's a bit yeah, cold. yeah, it was yeah. very cold. Yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't pleasant. Different to what we're used to. Well, how's your garden looking anyway? Oh yeah, pretty good. Yeah, thousands and hundreds of thousands of flowers. Yeah. <laughs> your one man yeah. band, Bob. How do you how do you manage it all? Uh, just do uh, as longer hours each day, oh. seven days a week. Yeah, it's a labour of love. Well, then. Living the life. It is, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's good when you get it to how you would like it. Mm. Yeah. But that's, when you're a good gardener, it, it never, it ne- never it looks as good as you want it. Want it. This is true. Yeah. This is true. What do you do with your roses at the moment? Uh, it's sort of late spring. What do you do to prepare your roses so that they get through the summer, which no doubt we're going, we will get our summer turn, I have no doubt. Come January, February, March, it'll be very warm. Yeah, so one of the things that I've noticed uh, for quite a few, a long time now, that most people um, bury, or when they plant their roses, they bury the crown of the, the rose. So... The first thing they need to, to do is to go and have a look and see 
whether where it's been grafted or budded, yeah, uh, that's above the ground so the sun can can get to it. That's the life of your plant. Yes. So once it starts warming up and uh, finished flowering, that's when um, that area needs to be exposed so the sun can get in and renew the, the branches for the following year or for the next probably three or four years. So that's vital. That's probably one of the major things that goes go wrong in growing roses. So peri- people are bearing that, that graph point. Yes, because yeah. diagrams in magazines, books, and in Europe and places like that, um, the roses are grafted onto the roots of a seedling. So they bury this. So that they don't last like they do here, probably maximum around about 10 years. Mm. So here they can last, you know, if they're good varieties, they can last for years. So that's basically one of the most important things. Key points. Uh, mm. Yeah, because if you don't get water shoots, the the actual rose gets old very quick. So some some roses are, uh, can deal with it better than others. So um, mulching is very important. Mm. Um, if you don't have insulation in your house, it's quite difficult to stay inside or yep. or have some comfort. Yeah, that's a um, good analogy. Mm. Yeah. So um, the actual um, mulching, I use I re- like recycle the tree mulch which I allow it to sit for at least six months. But for the general public, uh, pea straw, uh, lupin mulch, two extremely good mulches. Um, and it needs to be fairly thick. Some mm. people just put a handful around it's it. Not enough, you know, yeah. Not enough. So it needs to be, you know, reasonably thick. <clears throat> so uh, if you don't, it, after a while, It'll expose the the soil itself, and you know probably by around about March, which we get a lot of hot weather. Sure do. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know you've got no insulation, so insulation from heat, and it keeps your moisture in, and controls your weeds. So that's one of the big things. Uh, weeds take a lot of uh, water and food yeah. away from the plant. Mm. Um, dead deadheading, or um, everyone calls it deadheading, but you're really doing a pruning. Yes. Most people just take the, where the flower is, and and leave um, the three leaves. So they need to count down the second or the third five leaf. Yes. And that's where you get good quality flowers again. So you cut back so, to that. Yeah. Yes. So if you don't do that, you get little scrawny little um, stems with small flowers. Mm. So you're not encouraging the, the plant to um, uh, give you quality of roses. So um, that's essential. Um, make sure that they don't they're not cutting down too far because the less foliage you have, the less production of flowers. So that's major. A lot of people cut them right back because that's what the diagram in the in the yeah. magazines or whatever 
show you. So you so, can you can do not enough or you can go too far, but as you yeah, say... Exactly, yeah. yeah, in between. Yeah. So it's normally, you know, around about 50%, um, but no more than 50%. So if they count down from... The first one will probably be a three-leaf, and then the, the, the second one will be a five-leaf, and it's normally the biggest leaf. Mm. Is where you get the best flowers from. And cut from cut just above that. Yes. Yeah. Does, okay. Doesn't matter. You don't have to be um, fancy with no. cutting right to the eye, and you just cut them. Yeah. So make make um, deadheading um, not a chore, but you know, yeah. a bit more exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And what what about a, a feeding program at the moment, then, Bob? Yeah. Well, once they've used the the energy or the food that mm. you gave them in, in um, spring, and they need another feed, exactly the same as ourselves. We, we have sometimes three meals a day, so they need at least four meals per year uh, for them to give you quality of flowers. So some of the best fertilisers to use, um, MPK Blue is good. Yes. Um, uh, if you can get Yarra Miller, that's another good product. Um, All-purpose fertilisers are reasonable, um, and it's you know everyone thinks that blood and bone uh, is a good um, food for, for roses or any plant, mm. but most of the food value is gone because there's no blood in it, there's no meat at all in it because they use every part of the, the actual um, beast or whatever it is, um, because we're a very multicultural um, country and we use everything. The only thing that's left is fat, bone, and the, the grass that they've eaten prior to being killed. And that's what blood and bone comes from. Yes. Yeah. So there's not a lot of... Of food value in it. Mm. They do top it up with some urea, mm. and which gives you the four percent nitrogen. So, blood and bone. Um, if it's bad, blood and bone will suffocate your soil eventually, because the fat doesn't dissipate. Mm. It sits there. So these are little things that people need to to realise. Um, I know because when I was uh, a boy, my father had a blood and bone factory and everything, and we used to put everything in it. So that was when blood and bone was uh, dark brown, but now it's pale. Well, Bob, you're not buying the right blood and bone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Linda. Well, we actually, um, selfless plug, we actually buy blood meal and we add feather meal to it and that's it. We add rock dust to it and that's it. So it is old-fashioned, proper blood and bone. If you take the blood meal and add water to it, it basically almost reconstitutes like blood. It's disgusting. Mm. But it's definitely the good stuff because I know exactly what you mean. It's very frustrating. A lot of the fertilisers, if you actually read the label, it says blood and bone in big letters, but then underneath it says based fertiliser. And it's a lot of fillers, a lot of rubbish. So rubbish I, going I agree. into that. Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. Sorry to interrupt oh, your flow, Bob. Sorry. You're, you're a good girl, Linda. <laughs> and Bob, can you are you able to hold so that I can do a quick break and come back to you? Of course. 
I'm always holding. <laughs> Aren't we all? Thank you, Squire. Yeah. We'll be back in a moment. Radio. Are you there, Bob? And sorry to I do am. that to you, Squire. No, so, that's fine. So, so, going back to what Linda said, I use blood meal, but it's not always easy to get. Blood meal, okay. Yes. So, it's used for protein for animal feed. Okay. So I don't know whether that's the same as what Linda's, but I'd say it is mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. it's blood. Yeah. So the blood is the most important part of any um, person or or animal. Yeah. So it's where the food goes through to feed your um, muscles and things. So um, the good things aren't always in the good um, so-called uh, fertilisers. So I'm doing an, a little bit of an experiment with um, chicken or that pelletized stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I've found that you have to do it at least um, every four to five days. Otherwise, you don't get anything out of it. So um, I know that uh, the Rose Society has uh, sudden impact, um, and I can't comment on that because I get into trouble. Um, but organic is high maintenance hmm. for the person. So high maintenance means that you'll do it for a little while and then forget to do it again. And it's a bit like liquid feeding. So liquid feeding needs to be done, for me anyway, every three to five days. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, everyone thinks, oh, yeah, I've done that and it'll, it'll last for a, a couple of weeks. months or at least, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and I always double what they say to put um, in the mix. Mm. Uh, and it won't hurt anything. Uh, it'll You'll see them green up with, overnight. Mm. So that's, that's what happens with Mother Nature. That's why when you have a thunderstorm... Um, it uh, converts the nitrogen in the air that we breathe um, into food for um, the plants to eat. So in, in tropical areas, um, that's what they get e- each night. So they get liquid fed every night in the tropical areas of the world. Mm. So that's um, something they, that people need to know, that um, liquid feed and all that is good to, you know, before a show or whatever or your open garden is to give them, you know, really rush and make them look good and and healthy. Okay. So I just wanted to go back to that leaf curl. Um, I use copper uh, 12 months of the year. Do you? So when you say 12 months, do you mean monthly or...? Uh, Whenever I need to. But I, I don't have any black spots. Um, because when I do spray, I, it runs off the actual bush. Most people do not put enough spray on to control, so they're always um, trying to catch up, and they never catch up. Mm. So with that, with that peach curl, I would I would spray it now because um, if you can stop it now, you'll get new leaves and and uh, make sure when you do spray, any spraying, that you spray the ground because that's where everything sits there waiting for the temperature to change 
and then it jumps up onto you, uh, either fruit tree or roses or any plant. Mm. So the ground is, is as important as the actual plant that you spray. And most sprays you can spray over all your garden. So when we spray, we spray everything. So that's when we get good control. Yeah. And most people say, oh, I've got something wrong with my roses. But other plants next to them have got exactly the same thing. And that's why we have good control now. I would mm. spray probably twice a year. Mm. Um, and I, I, we don't um, have any aphids or the chilli trip. You don't? Uh, we, no, we do water. We use um, yeah. water to control a lot of things. So it's very natural. So yesterday you mentioned to me that chili thrip is around. Yes, it is. It's out there and yeah. it's not come to its full potential as yet perhaps yeah. because of the temperatures and a rain that we, we experience. That's right. It's been very cool Yeah. so far. So once it warms up, once you get a 30-degree day, um, chili thrip uh, can hatch. And, and, and take off. So if your garden is dry and it's hot and you've got lots of paving and all that sort of stuff, that encourages the chilli threat or any threat to, to persist and it rehatches very quickly. Mm. So water stops the, re, the, the hatching. Okay, the, yep. The so um, I'm trying to educate people to, in the, in the middle of the day, yeah, uh, is to go out with a, a handheld hose with a, either water breaker. It all depends on the, your pressure of the of the water you've got, um, and you get a water breaker that puts it on very fast. You can do your whole garden in ten minutes, and that stops a lot of the pests and diseases from persisting because they don't like the cold. Yeah, yeah. So if you need to use, which most people will need to use, something to um, control it. So Success Ultra is one that seems to be very successful. Um, and you need, they need to put five mils per litre of water into um, the, the spray. Yep. The, only, the, the one big thing that they're not doing is they're not putting enough spray on. Um, and, you know, they put maybe 10, 10 litres of spray on, you know, 50 roses. Yeah. Well, so, you're, again, you've got to really saturate it, have it dripping yeah. under and over yeah. the leaves. Well, my 600 roses get <coughs> anything up to 1,000 mm. litres. Yeah. 1,000 litres. Mm. And that gives you good control of everything. Mm. So that's that's the problem, you know. You've got these squeezy things that yes. most goes on in hand, um, does nothing, completely nothing. Mm. So we need to be a little bit smarter than what um, the retailers are, are, are selling. So um, we used to say when Chili Trip did come to WA that we double. The dose. You still can do that because um, we use 
uh, a commercial one if we need to, um, and it's very expensive. So uh, we only use uh, a fraction of what um, Success Ultra is for the home gardener. Uh-huh. But put lots on. It's not, you know, it might hurt your pocket a bit more, but you're going to have control. Mm. And it's like COVID. Um, chili trip's going to be around, and we need to control it. So some people are, have pulled their roses out because yes. they're impatient. Yeah. And you have to learn how to look after things. Exactly the same as uh, COVID. Yeah, I have one rose that's a standard, Bob, and actually your son budded it for me, and it's just not—it's just not as healthy as it should be. And it had—it did—it did have chili thrip attack last year. And um, how how can you how can I get that plant back to where it needs to be? What can I do for it? So how long has it been in? It's been in the ground two years. Um, yeah, and uh, it's a young rose, a young standard that um, Rob budded for me, and it's a beautiful, yeah, what, what, beautiful thing. But it, it it got hit hard with with chili thrip. What what was the name of it? Uh, I think it's Summer Song. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, that's not an easy Summer Song. It's not an easy one. It's a David Austin. David Austin, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, sort of a. Um, a burnt orange. That's type. it. That's the one. Yeah. Well, that's not the greatest grower. Yeah. Yeah. Magnificent flower. Yes. So correct. anything like that, you've got to look after it a little bit better. Yes. Than maybe some of the others. Yes. So, is there any competition as far as roots from other plants? No. No. He's. Uh, I. I. I think I'm looking after it, but it's clearly not enough. Uh, it's got some ags nearby. Uh, it's got a few plants near it, but nothing really around the. In you know, he's got. Ags are great robbers of food. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So if you dig around, you might find some the ag root, roots. That... Yeah. Moving into its territory. Because they're tough as boots. <clears throat> yes, they are. Yes. And on the other side of it, I've got some little rubies uh, sitting yeah. nearby. Mm. So just have a look. Yeah. Um, just, just, you, you need to feed it a bit more. Okay, yep. And it will be a little bit more susceptible to um, fungal. Yeah. So um, yes. I know I, I love the, the, the colour. Yeah, me too. I'm not in love with the actual growth of it. Yeah, so, yeah, I hear. Yeah, these are the ones that um, David Austin are trying to get us from stop us from growing them because they're not what he thinks are good enough. Right. But colour, you know, when you want something different, yeah, it's not always easy. Yeah. So just all um, right. Thank even, you. Even give it more food than the others. And just experiment. Just get some good um, uh, liquid feed, um, and um, and double the dose. And, and every four to five days, see what happens. Yeah, I know it's high maintenance. No, 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 I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, just see. You'll see a, a big difference. Okay. Thank you for that advice. I appreciate. You're welcome. All right, time has flown. I'm just looking at the clock. I didn't realise we'd had you on air so long, Bob. Um, thank you so much for your pointers to us all this morning and for giving us your wisdom. We appreciate. And if we don't speak to you between now and Christmas, we wish you and yours uh, all the best and for a fabulous 2023 as well. Thank you.
We appreciate you having you on the show. Thanks, Bob. No pleasure. Anytime. Take care. Thank you, Squire. Cheers. To all the listeners, Merry Christmas. Yes, thank you. Cheers. Bye. So we're we're going to leave the emails there for now. Um, Mm. We do have some sad news for our listeners as we finish the show. Um, Yeah. As we close our show, so came to the end of a life of an amazing man, a man, a legend who will live on in our gardens right across the state. Uh, For anyone who's bought roses over the years from Melville's Rose and Garden, we need to share the sad news that Bob Melville Sr., I guess, passed away in his garden last Saturday. Last Saturday. And we actually spoke to Bob the Saturday before. And so who was to know? Who was to know? And we've had him on the show over the years and we're going to compile um, a podcast with all of his interviews and chats and we'll make that available for listeners to listen to because he's shared so much wonderful knowledge and information and he's he's just a stalwart in the industry. He's a legend. Um, He's established so much and brought so much to the garden industry, the rose industry. He's a rosarian uh, and he was just a fabulous person. And uh, we were devastated to hear this news. We love him to pieces and we're going to miss him terribly, as I think our listeners will, because I know you guys loved him. I know you did because Mm. of the feedback that we used to receive after we, whenever we had Bob, the most down to earth, straight to the, straight (laughs) to the point uh, person that we've really ever ever met absolutely adored him and we are devastated aren't we 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 are he is was the current president of the rose society he was a member of our perth garden club he was a man who in his mid-70s embarked on creating a new garden yeah of a scale and which was that? outstanding that with hundreds of year. roses yes yeah. he opened it with the open yeah. garden scheme and hundreds of people went went to that garden i mean what he achieved in his lifetime has been incredible and he is a legend he he will be sadly missed yes absolutely so uh on that note we're going to wind up our show and we're just going to play a song in bob's honor and so we're going to say cheerio to you look after yourselves out there we will be returning next uh saturday that will be our last show for the year Thank you, Daryl. Yep. Thank you very so much for having me in. Yeah, and yeah, I'll just add one thing about Bob. Yeah, I mean, Please. he was great to sort of argue with. I love the the, the <laughs> oh, banter. Yes. Yeah, backwards and forwards. So, oh yeah, yes. Yeah, I'll miss that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, okay, everyone, look after yourselves, and we'd just like to dedicate this song, which Faye has chosen uh, for Bob. Take care of yourselves. I never promised you a 